The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. Uh, we are ordaining Peter and David into this office. And uh, in many ways, I want us to look at these verses because when we think about leadership and we think about what the office of eldership is, we all come in with a certain sense of like predisposed expectations of what leadership means. Like certainly we have... Uh, there's just a lot going on in the political climate and we think about like what leadership means in the political sphere if you work in your job and your bosses are doing the best they can to make decisions related to your job and all the pandemic dynamics you think about leadership in relation to what that is and those sort of dynamics but both of those they have different goals what is the goal of those those leadership roles and they change and they affect how we think about what leadership is and we can bring those sort of expectations, either it's of a CEO or something like that, into how we understand what a shepherd is, what an elder is in the church. And so that is why we want to look at this passage. And so just as normal, I have a main point, and we're just going to kind of blast through these verses very quickly. I promise. This is like like an abbreviated like uh, Cliff Notes sermon, not the normal uh, longer sermons. So... <laughs> Here's the main point of this passage, just to kind of put this up before us. Good pastors are tangible gifts of Christ's presence among us. I recognize, I, I, I recognize that as I say that, like it could be self-serving, like I am a tangible gift of Christ's presence among us. Look at me, no. The purpose of this is to just to look at what the passage means and understand what we're doing this morning. So when we look at this passage, one of the main things that we see standing out for us, this is Peter, right? If you remember who Peter was, he saw, right, he was just a, a backwoods fisherman who then came in and saw on the top of a mountain the glory of Christ revealed and all of who he is. And then when he came down that mountain, followed Jesus all the way in Jerusalem and saw him crucified as a pauper on a hill outside of this, you know, backwoods city in the middle of the Middle East. He has seen some stuff. And so when he says, here's the biggest highlight of my life, I'm, I'm an apostle, but I get to be a pastor among God's people, we need to pay attention. So what we're going to do is as we look at good pastors or tangible gifts of Christ's presence among us, we're going to pick up in verse 1, we're going to look here, so I exhort the elders among you. And here it just drives on the point, as a fellow elder, bro, you realize he is an apostle, right? Like he could, he writes the Bible. <laughs> like I don't, I don't care what your job is. You get to write the Bible. Like that seems like a pretty like on your LinkedIn page. That's at the top of the LinkedIn page, right? <laughs> I wrote some of the Bible, but he insists on drawing out. Look, I'm a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as, well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. One thing I want to point out as we work through this passage real quickly is that when we read the word elder here, a fellow elder, the English translation does a disservice for us because every instance of the word elder, pastor, shepherd, overseer in the entire New Testament is always plural. When we read this, it can sound like there's just one elder here, but every instance of all four of those words, they all effectively mean the same thing, they are always plural. The Southerners have this great word called y'all. 
y'all elders, right? There's a bunch of them, which means as we talk about the office of elder, elders always come in groups. They always come as a plurality, you can use the word. They always come as a team, right? We've had up to this point, one local elder, myself, (laughs) in this church. However, I have worked very closely with um, David Pickney here, the the, the great bishop of New Hampshire, but also Paul Buckley in King of Grace, where we were sent out of, and then Bauer Evans um, down in the middle of Mass. Nobody cares. You know, um, <laughs> I've had guys to hold me accountable and help me think through things, but it's not the best setup for long-term health. Long-term health for any local church always requires multiple elders, preferably just by wisdom, three, right? Two is fine, but you can get a stalemate and there's nobody there to break the tie, right? You need at least two or three to make a group elders come as a team and the reason why in many ways and again this is an abbreviated sermon so we're just going to kind of we'll get to this when we preach through these other parts of the bible part of it is that frankly there is strength with like multiple personalities and multiple gifts in the room right you guys may think that i am like the best at everything (laughs) i'm like an a minus i'm like an a minus on like one or two things and then I get like a passing grade on other things, right? We need guys who have A-plus gifts in other areas that then may have C-minus gifts in places where I'm A-plus, right? We need multiple gifts, multiple personalities, multiple perspectives coming into the room, making decisions, caring for God's people, which is one reason why multiple elders is healthy, right? The other thing to say here is that there is no elder-plus, Right? You'll notice that he was an apostle, Peter, but elders are elders are elders. There's no super elder. There's no you know, lesser elder. There's an equality. Right? So when we come to the table and we make decisions or whatever we, it is, we are all making decisions and working out this together. There is an equality between a team of elders. So, again, I could go down on these things, but... We're going to have to make, make some time and move on. But you'll notice here in verse 1, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. You see, Peter, as he, as he understood eldership, the first thing that comes to mind is witnessing to the sufferings of Christ. Now, that is certainly true about witnessing to the gospel of Christ, but there's also, a, when he thinks about eldership, his mind goes towards the pattern of Christ's ministry, which was one of suffering to receive glory as the pattern for what eldership is. Eldership is a pat- pattern after a suffering and then glory dynamic. It is, is patterned after seeing and following after the Christ, the chief shepherd who led his people towards redemption by suffering for them. And so then elders follow the same pattern. Elders are their primary, the shape of their ministry is one of suffering for Christ's people, with Christ's people, as they walk towards God glorifying himself in them. You see, the pattern, the shape of ministry is one of suffering and then glory. Suffering is one of the primary jobs of pastoral ministry. I am slowly losing my podium down here. There we go. Oh, that's a little too tight. 
Suffering is one of the primary jobs of pastoral ministry, not because suffering is a good thing, but because people suffer, and Christ loves his people, and Christ suffered for his people. Shepherding, good shepherding, is entering into people's pain points and finding God's activity amidst it. I will say, as my experience in pastoral ministry is that suffering is always the least thing that you want to look forward to. It's not like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, let's go suffer today. But it is a place where you find God's most potent activity in people's lives. Suffering is where the real work of faith happens. And that is where pastors live. And frankly, when I step out of the door from suffering alongside one of my brothers or sisters in one situation, I step right into another of equal pain and suffering in another room. So for you, as a congregation, you should be aware that there is no, there is often more suffering going on in the church, there is often more pain going on in the church than you are aware of, and most often the pastors are most aware of it, most involved, and most committed to helping people find their chief shepherd amidst the suffering of their lives. And for David and Peter, you must be prepared to suffer alongside God's people. No man is called to pastoral ministry who avoids people's pain. That is at the heart of what a good shepherd is and does. Good shepherds, the goodness of shepherds and suffering is that we often need pastors to help us find God's activity amidst our suffering. We, we need somebody who is outside of the suffering, who is not quite in the same furnace of suffering to help us see what is God refining here, right? That's why you need a team of pastors because, frankly, one pastor may be going through a particularly deep sense of suffering and pain, and he needs other elders and other pastors to shepherd him through his own pain and suffering. So that's why it's a, it is a both and of, yes, pastors shepherd the congregation through their suffering, but she- pastors also shepherd each other through their own, pa- their own pain and suffering. So, we're going to move on here, but you will notice that good shepherds suffer with God's people. That is what the, that stands out from verse 1. Verse 2 to 3, we're going to see the good shepherds lead among us. Good shepherds lead among us. You'll notice here, when we read verse 2 and 3, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Part of the reason of why I get paid so much to be a pastor is I just look at the words on the page and then I make them my outline. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a very hard skill, I promise. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Among you, right? I remember talking to a pastor one time, and he was saying how, um, in a certain model of pastoral uh, of church life, that while some pastors they're they're gifted to give vision and to preach, but they don't meet with people. And I just remember being like, "That is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard in my life." Like, you cannot be a pastor and not meet with sheep. You can't you can't be a farmer and not have a John Deere, right? <laughs> like you, it, that's the nature of the job is people. Like people are the job. People are the calling. People, where they are and whoever they are and whatever's going on, 
That is where shepherds live. That is what they are called to. I'm not called to give you great vision statements and then to give great sermons and then never talk to any of you. Like that is, that's totally contradictory to the nature of what a pastor is. A pastor is among the sheep. A pastor is among God's people. And let me just kind of pull out something from this passage because when we think about shepherding, we may think of, we think of like actual shepherds that the, the, ver- the word is used for. There are two different types of shepherding. You have Western shepherding and you have Eastern shepherding. And I want to remind us that the Bible was primarily written in an Eastern context. Western shepherding, when we think about this, we think of like sheepdogs and they drive the sheep, right? They, they, they are behind the sheep and they drive them towards a goal. Well, you know, go over to that green, greener pastures or whatever, right? Whatever the goal for sheep is, you know. Eastern shepherds, they lead in front and they don't lead with dogs. They lead with their voice. So it, that, sh- that should ring a bell for when you, when you think of like when Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. All those images is Jesus pulling from the Eastern tradition of shepherding where a shepherd leads in front of and he lives among the sheep. So like he literally just like sleeps in the herd, right? That's why when Jesus talks about being a shepherd of the sheep, he talks about, I am the gate because they would, they would lead the sheep into a safe place and then they'd lay down in the gate spot to keep the, the, the sheep safe. Shepherds lead among their people. They, they know who they care for. They know what is involved with each other's lives. They are among the people. So my shepherding, my pastoring, will feel and look different because I care for you guys. I don't care. I'm not the shepherd of people in Philadelphia, right? I'm the shepherd shepherd of people in Manchester, in the greater Manchester area. This is our congregation. This is our sheep. In a book called Shepherds After My Own Heart, uh, Tim Laniac, a scholar who wrote a biblical theology on pastoral ministry. This is a longer quote, which I always advise against, so why not do it on the day of ordination? The primary verbs for shepherding can mean feeding, leading, and general tending or oversight. We have in places summarized the interrelated pastoral roles of protector, provider, and guide. Fundamentally, However, the task of shepherds is determined daily by the changing needs of the flock under their care. Pastors are generalists. To be a good shepherd, and this is consistent with the biblical canon, means to be accountable for the lives and well-being of the sheep. Good shepherding is expressed by decisions and behaviors that benefit the flock, often at great personal cost. It calls for the benevolent use of authority. Some situations require militant protection and discipline. Others beckon for gentle nurture. The shepherd image is especially useful for holding in tension these essential features of leadership. Authority without compassion leads to harsh authoritarianism. Compassion without authority leads to social chaos. Shepherds must be able to express their leadership in a variety of ways. Evangelism is a natural expression of the shepherd's commitment to the whole flock of God especially those who have not yet found their true home. To be a shepherd is to be both responsible for the flock and responsible to the owner. So with that in mind, when we look at these verses here, he says, uh, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. 
we run into the realities that pastoral ministry is a very hard task because you are running you are running a ship that is full of sheep and sheep have different needs and a lot of things going on very loud exhaust systems going on in the back of their cars there is a lot going on in the mind of a pastor so if you're in the if you're in the serve industry of like healthcare and all those things you have what's called compassion fatigue right where if you're a counselor there's this regular outpouring of your compassion for people's needs and where they are I promise those windows are going to be great once they get fixed <laughs> and you pause whenever people have ridiculously loud exhaust systems um, there's what's called in, in the counseling world compassion fatigue so folks here who work at the Hope Center they're regularly pouring themselves out for other people and they can run into what's called compassion fatigue and then if you're in the business world and you're making decisions and regularly make, trying to figure out how to organize things and make decisions, it's called decision fatigue, right? Both of those are compounding all the time and constantly facing the realities of what it means to be a pastor. Compassion fatigue, decision fatigue, and that there are still more needs, right? And so that's why Peter comes and says, look, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Right? Effort, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, right? you will become tired of making decisions. You need to be relying on your good God, on the true shepherd, for your energy to make decisions. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. There will be temptations to be able to see how you could manipulate situations for your own personal gain. And it must be at the sacrifice of your own aspirations and your own needs for the betterment of others. Not domineering over those in your charge. You will be so exhausted at times we would just want to just just do what I say. That is not the call of a pastor, but to be examples to the flock. I will say for you guys just to know that this is a verse that, this is a passage that we will regularly recite in our elders meeting, our leadership meeting, because it touches on so many of the needs of our own souls. And for our, David and Peter and I, we were just talking this last week about setting up a retreat for us as a leadership team this next year to talk about how do we plan for 2021 and all that stuff? And one of the main goals of that time is to make sure that we are caring for each other and figuring out how can we be, um, how can we be setting up rhythms of healthy soul care for each other? And what, what does it look like to set up spiritual development for each other for this coming year so that we are healthy and happy pastors? Because these are just the dynamics of what it means to be a pastor. So we're going to keep going on because I can keep talking about this. This is like... I can just keep talking about pastoral ministry and you guys power is kind of like let's just move on good shepherds verse 4 hope for us and we'll close with this and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory there is in this a promise and a reminder a promise you will be rewarded for being a faithful good pastor but also your faithfulness is marked by remembering that these are his sheep you guys do not belong to me. And as we ordained David and Peter, you guys do not belong to David and Peter. You guys, if you belong to Jesus, belong to him. And we, the best promotion that we could ever get is to be called under shepherds. There is no higher like version of that. I serve what he is doing in your life. Your pastors serve what he is doing in your life. You are not tools for your pastor's own agenda, which means that as Jesus sets the agenda of your change, of your growth, of your conformity to his image, we serve that. 
I don't get to manipulate you to be like me. Thank God. Because, like, you'd all just be, like, wicked strong people all the time and ravenously, like, Patriot fans, you know? Like, and, you know, like, poo-poo on Tom Brady now. Who cares? Right? You guys are not conformed to be like me. David and Peter are not conformed to be like me. We are not conformed to be like them. We are led by the chief shepherd to be like him, which means that we serve his work in your life. Often, the calling of pastoral ministry is to see what Jesus is transforming you to be like and helping you see it and hoping in what you are becoming. Often, we cannot see the path between this day and that day, given all of this mess. And pastors come alongside you to say, I can begin to see the spark. Let me help you follow this path of what God is making you to be. Amidst all the pain, all the suffering, the confusion, all the high points of your life too, where is God leading you towards? A pastor stands beside you and hopes in that day. And then for those who have the privilege of being pastors, this verse basically says one day, Jesus will look at you and say, thank you. Thank you for shepherding my sheep. And thank you for bringing us home. There is a reward for being an elder, but it's not kind of like I get the extra size mansion and you guys get the regular size mansion. There is a presence, a sharing of, who, of Christ's heart for his people that is unique to the pastoral call. And so it is very serious when we come to this moment. We are not electing CEOs or the board of representatives for this organization. We are installing shepherds who will lead you to be more like Jesus so that you can see Jesus. And so as we make all these vows and as we set up this, set all this, these guys in motion, we are committed to that. Not organization stuff, we're committed to Jesus and what Jesus is doing among his people. Good shepherds are tangible gifts of Christ's presence among us because Christ is leading us home. So let's pray and let's do this. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.